Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we get to speak with Ethan Janney. He's a CEO at Piano Technicians Masterclasses and a licensed piano technician. He's a co-host on Run With It, a podcast that bridges the gap, bringing you business ideas and action steps from established entrepreneurs. On this podcast, he interviews established entrepreneurs about a topic successful business owners rarely get to discuss other ideas they have, asking them to describe one idea that they haven't brought to life in detail, as well as the first several weeks of steps they take to implement it. They talk through the challenges they foresee, and they get a real-time glimpse into how they think and operate. Let's find out more about his journey. Ethan, thank you so much for jumping in and you know having a chat with us here at Hacks and Hobbies. Sure. No, it's great to be here. Great to meet you. Um, with hacks and hobbies, you know, I just love hobbies so much, and I've I've gone deep into a few of them. And the reason, you know, we are connecting here to learn a little bit about your journey and how these hobbies have helped you along the way, and you know, what are you doing these days, or you know, where did it all get started, and. Um, how did you approach it? Like what fascinated you about piano? I know music is amazing. I mean, I love music, but why, why specifically pianos? And then how did you get more involved? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think that there's, I'm a person that has a lot of interests and you could call them hobbies. Um, you know, one of the things I've got going on right now is a podcast um, uh, for, for business or people who want to start businesses called the run with it podcast. Um, and I, I've done things in business. I've done things in science. Um, I've done things with music, art, all, you know, all sorts of different things and integrating those things. And um, one theme of my life has been learning for the, for its own sake. You know, uh, I went at my first year of college, I went to school for um, physics and I thought, well, this is practical. You know, it's a practical thing to learn about. I'll go, I'll get my degree. I realized, you know, if I'm kind of academic, maybe it isn't super practical as I might get a job as a professor or something like that. But, you know, physics, it seems like something solid to know. And um, within my first year at the university I was at, I was practicing the piano so intensely um, that it was, I just couldn't ignore it. I mean, I... I I had t taken it up since before high school. I learned about jazz. I learned about artists, you know, like Thelonious Monk, Herbie Hancock, Miles Davis, and, you know, Bill Evans. And my friends had gone to music school who, were in, who I was in a band with. And I, and I thought I had made the practical decision and, and I'm, you know, kind of sharper than they were. Why, why would you pursue music? And, uh, but I just was obsessed. And I would literally stay in the practice rooms of this university almost like hiding uh um <laughs> and avoiding the security people you know the security people go they come lock the doors 
I mean, I, I could say it now. I would literally like sneak in open windows so that I could practice during the late night hours. I would fall asleep on the piano bench. And I was just, I would listen to Herbie Hancock and I would be like, how does he do that? I mean, he's improvising. It sounds amazing. How is that happening? And I was just obsessed with trying to do that too. And basically I realized I was so obsessed with it that I just, I had to switch directions. I had to apply to a music university. I had to go there. I had to follow this passion. And, um, and so you could call it a hobby. You could call it a career. You could mm -hmm. call it whatever it is. Yeah. I just feel like um, my philosophy has always been life. You've got one life. And when I'm on my deathbed, I just, I want to find at least, I at least attempted to do all of the interesting things that I could and that I don't have regrets. So, so piano has been something and music has been something that, uh, that I've just stuck with, you know, it just stuck with me and I stuck with it and I continue to be fascinated with it. Dude, that's really awesome. Um, music is amazing. And when you mentioned, right, uh, when you're on your deathbed, you want to say to yourself, I did everything that I wanted to do, or at least attempted to. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's a book by Todd Henry talks about die empty, unleash your best work every day. Mm. And he talks about, you know, the richest places in the world are not New York are not London or not Paris. It is the graveyards because of all of the ideas that people took with them to bed. Right. right. You're not going to be sitting at your deathbed saying, Oh, I wish I spent 10 more hours at work because I really wanted to get that report out. Right. <laughs> You're never going to say that. Right. So pursuing your passion, getting it to a hobby that just brings you joy, right? Any, anything it is like woodworking or, you know, working with your hands, doing you know, programming, a, a computer programming, toys programming, any sort of thing. It brings out the our curiosity and able to like fulfill that that cup of curiosity by mm. digging in deeper and um growing up i i was the same way with technology like initially i, I was not introduced to technology till much later and in high school I got introduced to computers and then we had one and i was I was like, this is really, really interesting. You type a word and it comes up on the screen or you, you know, you pro, you can do all sorts of things. And it was just really fascinating. So I just dig in deeper and deeper and deeper. And next thing I know, I was assembling computers for at this computer store. And then I had all these things memorized and I, I still have a passion to, you know, I can, I, I like, I still get emails from like Newegg. Oh, this is the new hardware coming out. And, and I would mm. go in deeper about learning about CPUs. So anytime I would want, I'm thinking of upgrading. I was like, all right, let's see what's the latest tech. Let's read all about it. So I would like dig in deep and read all the articles about the, the nano architectures and, you know, what's happening in the world. It's, it's fascinating. And I think what you described there, you know, you're sneaking out and going, and st staying in the in the piano room, playing the piano, trying to figure out how somebody else created that music with that same instrument. You know, it's it's really amazing because the ability to go in deeper and not ignore it, I think that's where our human, uh, the human nature 
like really comes out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I know you have a two-year-old and I do too. And I, I, what I, one thing I've been continuously frustrated with is there's like this sort of, um, there's this theme of like going into adulthood and basically turning off certain childhood instincts, you know, don't be goofy, you know, don't make mistakes. Um, don't just piddle around doing Legos. You know what I mean? Like, and it's funny. I, I mean, I sit down with my, my two-year-old to play Legos and all of a sudden I'm building something, right. And I'm not paying any attention to yeah. him. And it, But what I think is actually sad about that is I think that people use their kids as an excuse to get back into that mode. You know, you don't need to have kids to, to buy. Kids. You could buy some Legos, man, <laughs> buy some Legos and start playing around with them. You, before we had kids, um, I remember Christmas time, my, uh, my nieces and nephews got a marble run game for, and we were talking about marbles yeah. before we started here. <laughs> and, uh, all, you know, it was time to go eat lunch, you know, for the Christmas holiday. And I was still in the basement, like making this grand marble run thing, you know? <laughs> and I, at the time I was doing my PhD, you know, in neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And, and that was just like lots, it's still fun and interesting, but lots of pressure and lots of yeah. mind work and stuff. Yeah. And, and my my wife, probably girlfriend at the time, I forget, but like she was just like, You need this. You need <laughs> you need to just do marble run. You just you can skip lunch, just just mm -hmm. keep having fun, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think if we all had more time time to do that and it was okay, um, we'd all be actually a lot better off, healthier in, in mind and body from that kind of thing. Absolutely. I think what you uh hit on there is, you know, when you're doing work with your hands, you are engaging a totally different level of uh, level of attention because not only are you just thinking about it, because when you're studying for something, you're only using your brain and one specific part, but then the, all the other parts of your brain are like, wait, what do we get to play, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where playing with Legos is, is so, I mean, it's, it's very therapeutic. Um, I had, I had bought a um, 3,000 piece um, Lego Technic. It was a Porsche. <laughs> Took me about four weeks to assemble it, right? But it was so much fun because the first thing that I, because I initially I bought it, bought it used because I didn't want to spend $300. So I, I spent, I was like, all right, I'll spend $215. It's a little cheaper. <laughs> but it, it was used and, you know, it was all in bags. So now first, the first thing that I did is like, all right, I got to sort everything out so it's easier to build. So that took like two weeks just to sort everything out. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, let's now build it. And it was, it was just fun. So now the car is sitting in a box somewhere. I mean, I know where it is, but I just keep it inside hidden because if I take it out, my kids are like, oh, can we play with this? Like, no, no, you guys play with these pullback cars, <laughs> these pullback Lego ones. And I even got uh, the Voltron set for my son, uh, my 10-year-old. Yeah. So he built it all by himself. And it's, it's just, I mean, Lego is just amazing. I mean, you, you bring Lego up and, and I just love Lego. I, I'll, you know, I'll get emails from Lego of like, oh, we have this new set now. And I'm like, hmm, should I get it? Should I get it? Should I not? Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, Lego is amazing. You know what? I'm going to show you. I know we're on a podcast, but yeah. can I, can I screen share with you something? Cause this is just totally on topic right now. I'm yeah, going to yeah. screen share and uh, I want to show you this right now. So 
my business in New York, the one that's closed right now, it's yeah. a piano tuning business. Mm -hmm. And um, to be honest, when I started that business, there was a very practical piece of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just trying to make some extra money. And I was teaching other people how to do it, the business aspect of it. But I came up with the name for the business. It was Floating Piano Factory. And yeah. I, despite the fact that it's supposed to be there to make money, I've always thought of it as like a creative project that I could have fun with. And that's why I love that name. Yeah. Marketing people will tell you, do not name a piano tuning business Floating Piano Factory. Nobody would know what it means. Call it like <laughs> best piano tuners. Like that's what you call it. And I've struggled with that because, yeah. you know, that's an issue. So what, actually what I'm, what I'm showing you right now is I saw this image online somewhere and it, it made me think of like a floating piano image yeah. that I could make of like a silhouette of a person like being held up by a piano floating in the air. Nice. And so I got inspired and I just went on like, a, like an image app and I'm scrolling through these, like the people who are listening can't see it. Like I was just coming up with all these different incarnations of like oh. this silhouetted floating piano image. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I got so in the zone doing it. I was like, oh, man, this is so fun. I know I can't do stuff like this that much. I got stuff I have to do. <laughs> and I was really working on this. My wife asked me some questions. We were working on something. And I, and I went, oh, my God, I have a podcast I have to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, but, and, and luckily, it was not. Um, it was our, it, there, I still had an half hour before we were supposed to meet. Yeah. But it just goes to say, like, I don't know. There's just something so therapeutic about doing something whether you're doing it well or not, but just something creative mm. that like engages your, this last one's pretty cool. I like this yeah. one with really the sun shining behind the clouds. Mm. Anyways, I thought, I thought that would be apropos to our conversation. It no, just, that's like, really cool. There's something, I'm actually, I do a lot of, um, you know, I coach as well, mm -hmm. coach people on how to organize their schedules and, and like achieve their goals. And I think that, um, you know, one thing I've been learning about is that we have we have three main, or you can think of our of us having three main parts to us: physical, emotional, and mental. Mm -hmm. And it comes from various places. I get it from this Eben Pagan, who's like a you know guru, marketing expert. He does some online courses, mm -hmm. but he's got it from the power of full engagement a little bit. He's integrated some things, but he has this idea that on those three levels, you need to. Um, you have you need to have like sort of like hard work and then you also need to have refreshment you know so for example mental hard work might be doing your job doing some yeah. research creating a product and mental relaxation might be reading a book or like you know doing like a hobby emotional work might be okay i have to like be on my best behavior with mm -hmm. with a client all day even though i'm really angry inside and just like and then, you know, emotional like release might be, you know, going on a date or sharing or getting therapy or something like that. And then physical, right? Physical work um, or not work, right? Like just sitting around working just on a computer around. can be very taxing on your body oh, yeah. physically. And then, okay, so I need to go run around or I need mm -hmm. to go exercise or just go in a sauna or anything like that. So it's a preface to me saying that what I... I'm, I'm suggesting it for my clients, but I realize I need to do it for myself. I have, I've gotten away from sort of creative pursuits for a while, you mm -hmm. know, and I, and, and I realize it actually might be detracting from my 
productivity and business potential. Yeah. Because I'm overtaxing that system so much and spending so much time on like, you know, how do I make a business better? And I'm not writing a song or making a picture, you know, or spending an hour doing Legos or something. Yeah. I might actually be hurting myself because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not rest. You need rest. The muscles need to rest between exercise, yes. all sorts of parallels in which this needs to happen. So just thought I'd introduce that interesting valid no, that's, in conversation. That's, that's really, really good because like you said, it, you need a balance. We, we can't have day all the time. We, we have day and night so we can rest our bodies. We can rest our eyes. The entire world can, you know, relax and, and there's a rhythm in it, right? <clears throat> when people mm -hmm. say, oh, why can't you be happy all the time? Well, it's impossible to be happy all the time. You need that depression. You need that sadness mm -hmm. to contrast that, to mm -hmm. give it meaning. Mm -hmm. And when, when you're spending so much time and just work, 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 you have to, you know, just let it go and, and mm -hmm. you know, uh, enjoy, you know, enjoy time doing something that you love. So if you, if you love to work with your hands, maybe you want to build something. So if you're, so if you build something with your hands, if you're a carpenter and you build something with your hands and you want to relax, well, you would be doing something different mm -hmm. by building with your hands. Maybe you're cooking mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. now you're using your hands. You're still using your hands, but then you're doing it totally different things which need some a lot more delicate delicacy or maybe you're doing gardening so um hobbies just has a way to engage that it's almost like you're like when you you say you you know it's, it's like a balance but it's almost like you are giving break to one part of your body and in engaging the other one because otherwise then it's like you have a cat at home that you only pet like once a week or mm. you're you're only uh paying attention to once once every in the blue moon well the the love that you have between that animal is going to go away because you know you're not spending that equal amount of time and it, it comes with you know it's, it's like attention the other you know things need attention and our body needs attention and our loneliness need needs attention so it's all interrelated. I'll give you an interesting perspective on, you know, the power of ho hobbies or picking something up that you haven't done before. Um, so and it disintegrates like my, my knowledge of neuroscience, but also just my knowledge of taking up things and working on them. Um, and I'll illustrate with an experience. So yeah. uh, when you ask someone, like if I were to ask you to, to create a list of the first words that come to mind when I say, I don't know, work or something like that. Mm -hmm. The words that come to your mind are going to be biased by your profession and your experiences. And there's some famous experiments with this where like, if you ask somebody who plays baseball to come up with a list of words and you say kind of like a neutral word, um, like um, pitch, Okay, you say pitch mm -hmm. and they say, oh, bat, you know, ball, da da da. You say that to somebody who um, was a construction worker, they're going to think about the pitch of, you know, that you put down on top of a, on top of a, 
of a of, a, of like a parking lot, right? Yeah. Or they think the pitch of a roof, mm-hmm. right? And they're going to go in a totally different direction. Yeah. And by the way, I saw this. It's an experiment that that's been talked about, but I saw it happen when I started my piano tuning business. I opened up applications to anybody, even though I had a few people in mind. Mm-hmm. I put an ad up on Craigslist. I put it in the tra- tra- the crafts and trade section, and. And so what I didn't realize would happen when I put it under crafts and trades is a lot of guys who had worked in construction would be applying, which was terrible. I didn't want anybody working in construction, working at piano, <laughs> totally useless. But I, in my application, I had a creativity prompt. And it's well known that people who are higher on the creativity scale, they can come up with more words in general mm-hmm. um, on, on, a, on a list of uses for something. So I say, how many uses could you have for a fork? Come up with as many as you can, you know, and people will say, oh, eat spaghetti with it. You know, I can make it a tiny pitch, pitch fork and a diorama. You know, I could, you know, remove the tines on the fork and, you know, now it would be a spoon, you know? So anyways, <laughs> if, as many as you can come up with in, yeah. in, in a certain time, you're sort of more creative, quote unquote. Well, I asked that question to the construction workers and guess what? It was all about like, well, I could use it to patch a wall and put concrete up or like, you know, I could use it to dig a hole for a post or something. (laughs) Fascinating, like how true it is. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm making a preface, but what this means is that if you do take up a hobby and you do get involved in something that's different than what you typically do, all of a sudden, your brain literally changes Certain parts of your brain start getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Our brains are associative. And so when we, whenever we, our memories are associative, everything we do, we're associating different things between each other. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, you start playing the piano. Or you start doing woodworking. Now, when a problem comes up, anything comes up, you actually start seeing it from the perspective of music. You start seeing it from the perspective of woodworking. And so now... Yeah. You know, if you've been in construction and you've been a baseball player, now when I say pitch, you're like, oh, well, that's like, you know, well, like someone like me, I'll be like mm-hmm. pitch. Oh, yeah, you've got you've got the pitch in the baseball and then mm-hmm. you've got the pitch of the roof and then you've got the pitch of the piano, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so the, the more you the more you take up these new hobbies and things, the more your brain changes and it becomes more flexible. Yeah. You know, you can take on more things and you can think creatively and you could just be uh more more flexible is a really great word absolutely no you're you're absolutely right and and that's one of the reasons i pick up so many different hobbies because uh somebody said and i can't remember who it was maybe it was seth godin he's like anything that needed to be invented it's already been invented Hmm. so you've got to take two things and put them together two great things and put them together and what has been happening for the past two decades or past few years when Uber came out and there was food delivery, they're now connected. You can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, food delivery with, with uh, car people and people going grocery shopping for you. So you've combined two things. Into, oh, there's millions of examples. Yeah. Tons I mean, of that's, examples. All, that's all we do nowadays. Like yeah. the, look at the smartphone, uh, you know, like exactly. the, the iPhone was this huge jump. Okay. Well, it's a phone, it's a camera, you know, it's, it's a place it's to store documents. Yes. It's an internet <laughs> device, you know, it's, 
it's and, it's just combining and 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 then even just how do you make it you combine a screen and buttons well that had been done before in a different way before. but it's just a different arrangement and all of a yeah. sudden it's a leap forward yeah 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 and and that's how but um steve jobs introduced it it's a communicator mm, it's a phone right. it's an email right. communicator right and, and he just kept saying it over and over and everybody everybody was like what <laughs> and that's been 15 years almost right yeah almost 15 years now 14. so yeah man uh putting these things together and you know i i really like the way you think about things and getting into involved in so many different things just to you know to fulfill your own thirst and curiosity for it and that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons i get into so many different things because i can bring that experience back to my job to to to, to what i do like I was, uh, I was using a drill motor. I'm like, I wonder why all drill motors are designed the same way. My thumb falls right here. I can switch the reverse and forward, and then I can, you know, press here, and I use my other hand to tighten or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, the user experience of this thing is phenomenal because anybody can use it. Yeah. And then just trying to go back, you know, try to reverse engineer it. Like, what was the first version even look like? And it's just it's just interesting to see, like the evolution of things that we use and evolution of devices and technology. It's it's just fascinating to see because so many people bring ideas from different areas and integrate it, and we just we just are living in a much better world than we were when we initially started. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So, Ethan, this was this has been an Awesome conversation. I love everything about it. I did see that you have a podcast uh, and it's called Run With It. Just run yeah. with it. And people can find that at www.runwithit.fm. Um, we, you know, the premise of the podcast is uh, we interview successful entrepreneurs. And what they do is they bring a business idea to the table that they are not currently pursuing, but they would. And literally all it is is they don't have time to do it but they think it's a great idea. It has legs. We talk it through with them. Yeah. We, we talk through literally how to start it. We mm -hmm. offer it up to the listeners Nice. and tell the listeners, encourage them to start it. And if they do, and if they do something cool, they can contact us and we'll actually con connect them with the guest for a mentorship session. Yeah. We've had guests who, you know, have made literally a hundred thousand dollars a day. Wow. We've had guests who have um, built businesses to, I'm trying to think, was it 30 million in revenue a year and then sold wow. for $170 million? Wow. That was Grasshopper. That was David Hauser. Um, and we're relatively fresh. And so that actually, you know, people don't realize like you can connect with these people relatively easy if you just give it a shot, you know, yeah. take it up and, and start pursuing one of these ideas. That's so. very, very fascinating because uh, when I was working with my, with my cousin and uh, my friend back at one of the, one of the, companies uh we basically it's it almost like a think tank and we would just mm -hmm. talk about ideas all day long like oh that'd be cool oh that'd be cool and i was like i wish we could like you know make these ideas happen because ideas come dimes a dozen mm -hmm. the other thing that i uh i'm involved deeply in is kickstarter projects i love how oh. people launch kickstarter projects 
I mean, they put, they put all the work in and they just need that little bump to move to the next level. And then now there's other places like Start Engine and uh, Seed Invest where you can invest in these companies and make those ideas a reality and then, you know, get us some kickback. So that's been pretty fascinating too. So I'm always looking at, okay, what's happening? What's new stuff happening? How are people combining stuff together? Um, I think the latest, and then even with software, right? There's new software coming out. Um, there's an app on iPhone called Dark Sky that tells you within the hour if it's going to be raining or not, right? And just heard that Apple recently just bought them so they can integrate wow. it with our own, you know, their operating system. So that's really fascinating. All right. So it's, it was fun talking with you. You know, you, you're a, you've got a podcast, you've got a business where mm -hmm. pianos are floating <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're helping other piano tuners, uh, you know, come, come together with Zoom conferences, which is really, really amazing. Towards the end, I have a few questions, and you've probably seen the uh, you know those questions on the on the the, the sign up page. Mm -hmm. So, tell tell the audience what is one hobby that you wish you got into. Oh yeah, now I forgot what I wrote on. What did I write on that though? But you, you said you, something you, about Arduino. Oh yeah, man! I really wish I was. It's like I don't know if I have the time for it. I got into <laughs> it a little bit. Do you, are yeah. you familiar with Arduino? I am. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, so for people listening who aren't Arduino, it's kind of like this little microcomputer that got invented within the last 10, 15 years. Um, it's literally maybe the size of your palm. And you can plug it into a computer, you can write little programs, you can hook it up to make robots or, you know, basically any little, you could probably make a 3D printer with it, you know, mm -hmm. you could do as long as you get all the pieces together. Yeah. And um, just people are known from sort of from doing some really cool stuff that integrates creativity and technology. Mm -hmm. um, so like I said, I got one, I use it a little bit. I use it during my PhD to make a bird, uh, nice. like a bird robot that would tweet, you know, at other birds because <laughs> we did bird experiments. Nice. Um, you know, but beyond that, like people have done so many cool things and I would yeah. love to do more. Yeah. For, for anybody that gets a chance, especially if you live in New York City, um, the... Uh, New York University has a program called the ITP Interactive Telecommunications Program, where they focus on, you know, it's a master's program. They focus on technology, um, data analysis, um, wow. stuff like this. And at the end of every semester, they have an open house where all the students get to show their projects. And it's all like cool VR stuff. Yeah. This guy literally made a thing where he put magnets in his fingers so that if you were blind, you could see colors. Nice. So like these <laughs> magnets would somehow, like there was some sensor that would sense a color and it would vibrate these magnets in your fingers, like depending on the color frequency wow. to like vibrational frequency. And like this kind of, like I know from a neuroscience perspective, this stuff actually has, you can literally get someone to see with their tongue. They've done experiments. Yeah. yeah. So um, the guy that heads the program was one of the inventors of Arduino. Arduino is an open source project. Yeah. So, you know, I've got this two-year-old, I went to the, I went to the science and surplus store and bought like a bunch of LEDs and switches. And, you know, I've got fantasies of making cool things for him, but <laughs> yeah. I've only got so far as far, the farthest I got was I went to the local library. I took an old cigar box 
and they have a like a, like a mini CNC machine, mm-hmm. and I cut out the slots in a little cigar box, and I installed a bunch of buttons. So nice. he can pretend that he's touching, but he loves buttons. So he can pretend yeah. that he's running a machine. But That's in awesome. my mind, I wanted that to actually be a machine that made yeah. lights and motors go and do stuff. But I don't know if I have the time for that. <laughs> well, well, um, you're you're instilling some really creative stuff for your kid, you know, for your two-year-old. <laughs> and as you grow and as he grows, I'm sure there will be projects that you guys can work together on. You know, it's it's really fascinating to work like just looking at their curiosity and their eyes light up when they figure things out. It's just, it's just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. What did you want to be when you were a child? The first thing that comes to mind when you say that is I had to draw a picture in, I think it was fourth or fifth grade, what I want to be. And I drew a picture of myself. I was an architect and a lawyer. For some reason, I thought it would be both of those things. I always liked building houses out of cardboard boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, funny aside from that, um, I, uh, I would build these houses out of cardboard boxes and we had cats and I would build them so the cats could go in and out of them. <laughs> and I was this little, like, you know, eight-year-old kid saying, check out my cat houses. And of course, like I had no idea that that was like a, like a pseudonym for like a house of prostitution. (laughs) No way. (laughs) So anyways, I, I still love the concept, like the idea of being an architect and, um, I may do some, I like real estate and, um, I would love to have just my, my fantasy, which will become a reality sometimes (laughs) is to have a, a beautiful um, cliff house on the on the cliffs of Big Sur in California. Nice. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I really, I still appreciate architecture. I totally don't understand the law. I wish I did. <laughs> uh, but I have an appreciation for architecture still. Nice. Um, talking about architecture, I, I just, uh, somebody shared this channel with me where this guy, he builds airplanes. And this, it's got these fat wheels, almost like uh, a dirt bike, wheel, dirt bike wheel. So hmm. then he flies off of mountaintops and lands on these flat mountaintops. So what they recently did, they, they bought this house in a kit, which uses a, a container. Okay. It took them about four months to build a house. Whoa. And it looks amazing. It comes with kitchen, comes with everything. I was like, wow, that's just made like fascinating yeah and you know so a little bit of side on you know with the architecture and whatnot because he they got to build a house just the way they wanted you know put it all the pieces together so that was fascinating yeah uh next up what is your favorite movie or tv show and if none how about a book oh yeah and i remember so there's a book that i'm really excited about lately um and um, I think it's really great also in this, where you were, we're doing this interview where, where like we're still dealing with quarantine and like yeah. there's a recession and all this kind of stuff. So it's a book called The Last Safe Investment. Um, it's co-authored by a guy named um, Brian Franklin mm-hmm. and um, blanking on the other author's name right now. But um, I learned about it through Brian Franklin. And it's it's just a great book that, kind of goes onto a different level than your tr- traditional thoughts about investing like oh 
you know, get a 401k and all, you know, it doesn't say don't do that stuff. But what it says is like, there's a lot of stuff you can do to invest in yourself. Um, that's, that's high leverage and actually quite simple. And yeah just walks you through all the ways to think about that and perform that and get good at things that are, are investments in yourself so mm-hmm. that you're setting yourself up for a better future, you know, and we both can see this right now. Yeah. And podcasting is getting huge during the quarantine, of course. Oh, yes. But like, um, this is a great investment just to start a podcast, right? You connect with cool people, you know, as long as you can put the time in, spend an hour, you know, recording and a little bit of time editing and posting. Um, it's an amazing return on investment. So I don't know they mentioned podcasting specifically in the book, but stuff like that. Where it's like, mm-hmm. just, you can do this in your life. It's 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 low investment in terms of time and energy, but high output um, on the Absolutely. other end. You know, another, another cool thing that people, uh, I don't know about people, but I was recently introduced that the state of New Jersey is looking for COBOL programmers. Hmm. And everyone's like, why COBOL? Well, because mm. their entire unemployment system is running on COBOL. Wow. And so the other day, one of, my, one of my colleagues posted this link to a YouTube video. It's like a two-hour introduction to COBOL done by this man. And he's a programmer himself. So he teaches you a 500-page book in two hours through this tutorial. Mm. And he says that 80% of all financial transactions happen in COBOL. 95% of all transactions in, on ATMs use this programming language. The entire Social Security Administration is running on COBOL. Um, trillions of dollars go through the government system using this programming language. And even though there's a lot of furloughed jobs, they are looking to pay you know, um, pay people to come and help them with the system. In fact, Connecticut did a hackathon for COBOL engineers. So they're telling all the retirees because this is a 40 plus year programming language right? that hasn't been, you know, touched on. And it's so robust that, you know, they didn't have to do anything once they set it all up. So that's been really fascinating too. Like if you have the time, to go learn another language, <laughs> go learn COBOL because then you can help these systems transition into other, you know, futuristic systems and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. All right. Next question. Um, this is a movie related. So what movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Oh, movie I would choose if I got to play a character in it. I'm going to ask, but too much time thinking so this might not be my ultimate best answer but i'm just gonna say back to the future and doc oh man you picked that you picked a really awesome character <laughs> yeah i mean i Wayne don't know Scott. If, yeah i don't have to, have to say much more i mean just like nope, nope. yeah it's awesome i love it who is your super uh favorite superhero favorite superhero Okay, that's a great question. And I don't know a lot of superheroes. I'm not like a huge superhero fan. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to feel really lame and I'm just going to say like Superman or something. <laughs> or, or I would say, I guess I would say, and I also don't know this character as well as a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. I don't know these as a superhero per se, but like Michael Bourne, Bourne Identity, 
like I'd consider that kind of a superhero character. Yeah. Yeah. And that would align a little bit more than Superman. Just like nice. kind of like a self-made superhero. Yeah. Who just knows so much and is so like in touch with like their body and their talents and their mind. And that's Batman, um, dude. That's Batman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love it. All right. Last question. If you are a board game, what would it be? Okay. If I was a board game. Hmm. Wow. So I'm going to go where probably nobody else is going just because it was something that happened recently. I was just putting together a puzzle with my, uh, with my two-year-old and I did most of the work because of course he doesn't quite understand puzzles yet, <laughs> but I think I'd just be a puzzle. And I think that I would say that because my life has been just like finding all of these pieces that are kind of everywhere and they're strewn mm -hmm. across the ground, you know, like, oh, you know, I mean, literally, I look at my own LinkedIn profile and I was like, does that really make sense? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, this guy must be BSing me. Like, he's got a PhD in neuroscience. He's a piano tuner. Like, he started, you know, uh, he started some creativity project. He did an artist residency. Like, who is this guy? It's just like made up. So my life is, is especially recently, uh, because I've now got all this experience with different stuff, it's like, putting it all together like how do you integrate um, yeah no that's really powerful because it's with the experience in the different areas is when you're able to see it from a totally different level like something that's been bothering me and and popping on my head is i don't remember where i read this but uh or heard from somewhere about water and how, why we need water, but there are no calories to water. Mm. And I started looking everything around me and like plants and vegetables and they are, they are that way because they have water. Like if you take water away, all mm. it is is just shell or, you know, dried up fruit. Right. So hydration. And I keep thinking about, okay. Like, how does it help the body? And, it, and my, my cousin was like, well, water is essentially the lubricant for everything. I'm like, wow, that's powerful. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, water is just, I mean, cells in themselves are just, you know, they're not empty in the middle. I mean, there's more than, there's more than water molecules. And there's proteins floating around, but there's kind of like a soup of things. Like, we're yes. kind of. We're just, there's a lot of soup going on underneath the structure. Exactly. Um, and the soup is really where all of the life happens. Mm -hmm. You don't have the soup, you have no movement. Yes. And if you don't have movement, you really don't have life. Yeah. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Ethan, with, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm tired, man. <laughs> <laughs> no um, problem, man. I've been fasting. Today is the first day of fasting. So, oh, and now is this religious fasting or just yeah, fasting? Ramadan. Ramadan just started. So, um, fasting. So, yeah, man, Ethan, this was a ton How many of days is the fasting for Ramadan? It's, so, it's 30 days. So, we fast from uh, sunrise okay. to sunset. Got it. So, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, intermittent fasting. Right. Uh, but you don't get to drink water. <laughs> oh, you don't get to drink water? Oh, Nothing, my gosh. Man. No, no matter no you brought, yeah. When you brought up water, you're like, I need water. 
because <laughs> my throat is all drying up. Uh, but yeah, man, this was a really good, cool conversation. Uh, please let me know, you know, anything that you need that I can help you with, uh, you know, give me a shout out. Um, I like yourself am involved in a ton of different things, right? You know, I've got my full-time job. I've got my podcast. I got these different ambitions of writing a book and doing live videos and teaching people different technologies. So yeah, man, it was really good talking with you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been, it's been a great pleasure. And we're just, you know, again, urge people to check out the podcast at uh, runwithit.fm. We have some pretty cool stuff there. Awesome. We'll do. Well, uh, so guys, uh, this was Ethan. Uh, you can check out his podcast on run with it. Um, and, uh, it's an awesome podcast. We talked about it a little earlier and, uh, thanks. Thanks for all your time. Talk to you later. Congratulations, you made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hexandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You could find links mentioned in this episode on the hacksandhobbies.com website. 